Happy birthday, Tom. Thank you, John. Uh, so listen, uh, thanks, for, uh, thanks for joining. Um, uh, as I mentioned earlier this morning, uh, we have a special guest with us here virtually in the briefing room, uh, General Todd Walters, uh, commander of uh, U U.S. European Command, as well as uh, NATO Shape Commander. Um, and uh, I'm going to turn it over to uh, the general in just a minute, who's got some opening comments. He's here to talk to you about uh, UCOM and NATO's contributions to uh, the ongoing evacuation effort out of Afghanistan. Uh, I'd like to keep our uh, limit our questions to the general uh, to that purpose. Uh, we've got the general for about 30 minutes, so I don't want to eat up any more of the clock. Uh, and then once the, the general's uh, done with his uh, comments, we'll go to questions. I will moderate, just like I did the other day. Uh, please identify yourself and your outlet before you ask the questions, because the general can't see you uh, from where he is. So uh, with that, general, if you can hear me loud, uh, okay. John, I've got you loud and clear. Thank you, general. I'll turn the floor over to you, sir. Hey, thanks, John. Good afternoon, and it's good to be with you into the press corps. Thanks for taking a little bit of time to share with us on the other side of the Atlantic over here in Europe. Uh, let me start by extending my personal and professional thanks to the women and men in the United States military, all of our civilian employees, and most importantly, to the volunteers who have given us their relentless efforts in support of this operation. It, it has truly been inspiring. Uh, to date, uh, we've received 55 flights at Ramstein Air Base, Germany, and we currently have 5,783 evacuees on deck at Ramstein. We've received three flights at Naval Air Station Siganella, and we currently have 662 evacuees on deck there. For context, we received our first evacuation flights last Friday, the 20th of August. And three short days later, this last Monday, uh, we had our first set of flights depart Ramstein for the continental United States. To date, a total of 1,605 evacuees have departed Ramstein for the continental United States. And for additional context, as you all know here in Europe, this is a whole of government, whole of nation, whole of partner, whole of ally process. The, the trust and transparency that we've constructed over the course of the last several decades, in particular with our NATO allies and partners, has paid huge dividends with respect to the effectiveness of this operation and their cooperation, quite honestly, has been remarkable. A little bit about the evacuees themselves. When they land at Ramstein or at Siganella, they're immediately given food, water, and shelter. They have medical care as required from a screening perspective, and they have screening as required for onward movement to the continental United States. And we can't forget here in Europe that this process is by, with, and through the nations and the local communities. And to this point, the cooperation that we've seen has been superb. I'd like to make a special shout out to the governments of Germany and the governments of Italy, and now the government of Spain for their whole of government work across ministries, their ministries of foreign affairs to their ministries of defense, all the way from the top portion of their governments down to their military levels, the cooperation has been seamless and has allowed us to do our job from a US perspective. I'll end my comments with what's most important, the, the safety and security of our evacuees and all of the workers associated with, with this mission is of the number one issue. And at this time, we've had zero security incidents. And a security incident is defined when we witness an evacuee uh, exhibit malign behavior and we have to put that vacu an evacuee in a holding cell. 
we have had no incidents. John, uh, that's it for my comments. I look forward to fielding your questions. Thank you. Thank you, General. Uh, we'll start with uh, Lita Baldor from the Associated Press. Lita's on the phone. Go ahead, Lita. Hi, General. Lita Baldor with AP. Uh, thanks for doing this. Good to talk to you. Um, one quick thing. Um, have you not had any go into Spain yet? Is that expected in the coming days? And more broadly, do you think the numbers are right now starting to really tick upward and getting larger or as people are coming out and there are more way stations, do you think you're at about a, a regular flow going into uh, these countries? Lita, thanks for the question and I'll, I'll go in reverse order with respect to the flow. I believe the flow that we are going to embrace in the next 24 to 48 hours will be the flow that we can expect to see for the next several days. So we are we are building to what I would say is a plateau that we are very, very close to getting to. And my sense is obviously as far as the machine is concerned from what we get to the Middle East to here in Europe, uh, we're ready, willing and able to accommodate that flow. With respect to Spain, as you probably know, uh, we've had one installation open up and tremendous cooperation on behalf of the Spanish government. We, we have yet to put anybody in Spain in any of our C-17 gray tails, but if need be, we're prepared to do that from this moment forward. Thank you. Can I ask a follow-up? Sure. Go ahead, go ahead Lita. Uh, uh, one quick follow-up. Are you hearing much from all of your European colleagues about any frustrations about them getting their people out? Are, are you working with your NATO and European colleagues on that issue? A little bit of both, but we're not hearing any negative comments. And, and as you probably know, our, our goal is to get folks out as, as fast as we possibly can with as many people as we possibly can. And, and the cooperation that has taken place with respect to CENTCOM and the nations of Europe, uh, we, we've had no negative feedback. And my sense is it's, it's because we're, we're all working feverishly to make sure that we can get as many people out as fast as we possibly can. And so far, so good with respect to any negative feedback from our European allies and partners. Tony, did you have one? Hey, General, Tony Capacity with Bloomberg. I had a quick a question on your on NATO. So I'd like you to put your NATO hat on. Can you tell us in general, privately, the types of reaction you've been getting from your your counterparts over there about the U.S. withdrawal and the evacuation. I mean, is there a sense of disappointment and frustration? <clears throat> Tony, from, from, my, from my friends who are the chiefs of defense of our NATO allies and partners, the, the military language back and forth has been nothing but positive and mostly focused on the mission at hand, which is to get as many people out as fast as we possibly can, always keeping safety and security at the forefront. And with the chads, and with that being in mind, uh, we, we've had no negative feedback. And as far as the consensus is concerned for, for agreement and working side by side and shoulder to shoulder, uh, military to military, th those relationships are as strong now as they ever have been. But as the Supreme Allied Commander, are you concerned that this effort is going to hurt U.S. credibility with NATO after four years of roiling relationships that the Biden administration is trying to solve, to trying to heal? 
Tony, no. And again, I, I get feedback from my counterparts as chiefs of defense of the other 29 nations to include General Milley, and that has not been the case. The, the military to military relationships that we have with all, th all, all 30 nations to include the U.S. is as strong now as it ever has been. Sophie, go ahead. Hello, General Sylvie Lantom from AFP. We know that um, the uh, Afghan uh, um, evacuees are screened for COVID. Um, what happens if one evacuee is uh, tested positive? Do you uh, isolate them? What do you do exactly? I'm sorry, I, I didn't hear who the reporter was. Can, can you restate your name? Sylvie Lantom from AFP. Great, great question. First of all, we, we, we wanna screen for COVID at all levels. And once the evacuees arrive, we, we have a medical screening segment. And, and if we find ourselves in a situation to where someone is showing symptoms, we're able to isolate those individuals and they receive additional uh, medical treatment uh, through local stations there at the screening line at Ramstein. And if we have more severe conditions, uh, we can lean on the Landstuhl Regional Medical Center located about 10 kilometers away from Ramstein Air Base in Germany. Do you have numbers of cases? <clears throat> we, we processed over 7,000 evacuees, uh, just less than 100 after they've been initially medically screened, needed to go to an additional tent. And of those 100, less than 25 needed a, a additional medical treatment at Landstuhl Regional Medical Center. So 25, uh, after 7,000 have been processed, uh, we, we've been able to get to Landstuhl Regional Medical Center. And of those 25, well over 50% are already out of Landstuhl, back at Ramstein in the evacuee holding area. Thank you. Can I follow up, John, please? Okay, go ahead, Tom. Uh, General, this is uh, Tom Squatieri with Talk Media News. And following on Sylvie's question, are you just screening for COVID or are you screening for other things, contagious diseases like tuberculosis? We're doing a very broad medical screening, knowing that there has been screening before they come out of the Middle East and knowing that there will be additional medical screening that will occur once they get to CONUS. And for now, that's a dolus uh, in, in, in the Virginia area. Uh, for right now, we are specifically looking at general medical condition and COVID. We need to go to the, back to the phones. I'll, I'll keep working the room, I promise. Uh, Karun from the Washington Post. Hi, thanks for doing the call. Um, General, I'm sorry if I missed this at the very beginning, but do you have um, a, a goal duration that you're hoping that people stay at places like Ramstein? Are you trying to do a, a turnover rate that gets people out to their next destination, or is it too early to kind of um, have that in mind? Kareem, you, you were a little bit broken, but I think I got the gist. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I was just asking about the duration of what, like, is there a goal duration that you're trying to keep people on bases like Ramstein and move them on to their next destination? Um, and, and what is that? And, and, and or, or are you thinking in terms of timelines right now, even, and, or processing that you have to do before they can move on? Karim, there, 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 there is a timeline between 10 and 14 days, depending upon the country. And as you probably know, uh, there are there are four nations that are currently involved in the process of potentially fielding down our folks. And, and right now, given the flow that we have, approximately 15 to 1,700 in per day and approximately 1,800 to 2,000 who should be going out every day, 
the 10 to 14 day limit that we have in general for most of the nations is, is not in compromise at this point. And we do not anticipate based off the expected flow to have a problem in that area. Okay, Jen. Hi, Jennifer Griffin with Fox News. Um, General Walters, are you mandating vaccines for or offering vaccines for COVID for these um, Afghan evacuees before sending them <laughs> on to the U.S.? And also, do you have any numbers of any of the screening that's taking place in terms of uh, any watch lists, any numbers of people who have appeared on any watch lists that you've had to deal with? Uh, Jennifer, the first question had to do with vaccination. The, the plan for now is to screen uh, and, and the administration of vaccines uh, should first occur for those at Dulles. Uh, there is an effort underway with, with Secretary Austin to examine the feasibility of being able to take a deeper look at our evacuees at Ramstein and potentially administer the vaccination there if the evacuee needs it. There's still a ways to go on that with respect to nation-to-nation -nation contacts, and Secretary Austin and team are, are working on that. The, the second part of your question had to do with travelers that require further screening. And I will tell you, Jennifer, the 7,000 plus evacuees process, uh, we've had 52 flagged in that area that, that require further screening. Upon further screening with our DHS counterparts, all 52 have been cleared in the green. So to date, our sample size is approximately a 7,000 evacuees process, about 50 need further screening. And upon subsequent more in-depth screening, all of those have been cleared. And we feel that we have a, a very good process in place that is DOD-centric as well as State Department-centric with DHS. And sir, what is your biggest challenge right now at these facilities? I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, I couldn't hear that question you were. What is your biggest challenge right now at these facilities? Jennifer, it's making sure that when the, the manifests come in, you've got the right body uh, with the right name. And then when you, you construct the manifest for the evacuees to depart, uh, to make sure that name by name, person by person, you've got 100% accountability. And, and for safety and security, we think this is paramount. And as the days have progressed from last Friday to the present, uh, we, we see process improvement in, in the speed with which we can process individuals with 100% accuracy. And it's like anything else, Jennifer, the more you do it, the better you get. And, and that's certainly the case with what we've seen at Ramstad. Hey, General Walters, it's Courtney QB from NBC News. I, I apologize because I missed the top of the briefing if you said this, but can you get a little bit more, explain a little bit more about the screening process? How many um, CBP officials do you have there screening Afghans? And is that number going to ramp up in the coming days? And then can you talk a little bit about uh, any military members who are helping with the screening and then and i'm sorry i'm still a little unclear on their ear the numbers uh that you just gave to jennifer so 52 were flagged for screening what was the the 50 number you referenced can you explain that again courtney the number was 52 travelers requiring further screening that that that's that, that that's the process so if we go go back to your screening question we we have uh, 50 individuals who are in the screening line from the military side of the house. We have 32 individuals 
in the screening line from the DHS DOS side of the house. Uh, we've we've gone back and forth with the numbers, as you can well imagine. If, if our goal is to get 2,000 in and approximately 2,000 out, uh, processing about 200 folks per hour, the the large math equation says that that footprint of DHS representatives and DOD representatives is just about right. And we've actually mirrored that footprint in our other locations at Siganella and soon to be at Rota. And how many is that? How many CBP officials do you have running them through? And then, I, I'm sorry, I still don't understand what you mean by 50 in line on the military side and 52 on the DH, DHS side. A, a, a large screening process. And, and in this screening process, you, you have human to human contact with a US DOD screener and a US DOS slash DHS screener. So you've got you got both ministries, if you will, taking a look at each and every one of the applicant with 50 DOD individuals involved in that DOD screening process and about 30 plus involved in the State Department DHS screening process in order to solve the overall math equation for subsequent flow in and flow out. That's about what we need. And we think for now it's right sized. I misunderstood what you said. Thanks, General Walters. I appreciate it. Okay. Uh, Megan. Hi, General Walters. It's Megan Myers at Military Times. I have a few clarifying questions. One, um, on the vaccines at Dulles, are you saying that in general right now, um, that's the first time that these refugees will be offered a vaccine rather than in Europe on the way? That, that's correct, Megan. Um, also, um, throughout Europe, Italy and Germany, how many people have made it through that way station and gone on to the U.S.? 1,604. And the base in Spain that is being open for potential evacuees, which one? Megan, that's Rhoda. Thank you. All right, Carla. Um, thank you, General Walters. Carla Babb with Voice of America here. Um, what's the capacity total for uh, Rhoda, Ramstein, uh, the base in Italy? What, what's your maximum capacity? Carla, we can take 12,000 evacuees at Ramstein. We can take 2,000 evacuees at Rota. We can take 4,000 evacuees at Siganella. And I have a list of all the other spots. Uh, when you add them all together, it involves eight separate current sites where we can field 25,000 evacuees. And it spans through four countries. Can you list the other ones for us? I, I sure can. You have Ramstein, you have Rhine Ordnance Barracks in Germany, you have Siganella in Italy, you have Rota in Spain, you have Grafenwehr in Germany, you have Hohenfels in Germany, you have Spangdalem Air Base in Germany, and you have Camp Bonstiel in Kosovo as a U.S. site. Okay, thank you, sir. And then one other clarification. You said that a hundred of the people you, the evacuees you took in needed to go to a separate tent for COVID. Uh, less than 25 needed additional medical uh, care. Is that, so we can say less than 25 needed medical care. What about people, you know, like the, the mothers who gave birth? How many total have you had to provide medical care for in these facilities? Carla, believe it or not, that's it. So 100 that come through the initial screening that go to an additional medical tent on site uh, to further ascertain what the issue is. And then after that visit to the local medical tent site at Ramstein, 
25 uh, were, were taken up to Lonsdale Regional Medical Center for further evaluation, and 50% of those are already in the green back on site. That does make sense. So, so just less than 25 for all sort of medical care from COVID to giving birth to any other issues that you've seen. Thank you, sir. Okay. Uh, back to the phones. Uh, Jeff Shogel. Thank you, General. Uh, at last count, there were three uh, new babies at Lonstel Regional Medical Center. I just wanted to see, has that number gone up at all, and how are the babies doing? Jeff, thanks for asking. All, all, all three babies are good, and as you probably know, one baby was actually delivered on board a C-17. The, the other two babies were actually delivered at Lonstel Regional Medical Center. And, and a point of note that we, we think is interesting because we, we've had further conversations with the mom and the dad uh, of the baby that was born on the C-17 inbound to Ramstein. They, they named the little girl Reach, and they did so because the call sign of the C-17 aircraft that flew them from Qatar to Ramstein was Reach. So that, that child's name will forever be Reach. And as you can well imagine, being an Air Force fighter pilot, it's, it's my dream to watch that young child called Reach grow up and be a U.S. citizen and fly United States Air Force fighters in our Air Force. Over. All right. Got a couple, time for just a couple more for the general, and then we got to let him get on with his day. Go ahead. General, uh, of this 7,000 evacuees, are they all designated to come to the United States, or are they allowed to choose a country in Europe uh, or any other part of the world? The Afghan evacuees are designated to have follow-on to go to the United States. Some of the evacuees who are not Afghanistans, they fall into a different category. Thanks. Mike, did you have one? Oh, oh yeah, okay. We'll just do uh, two more. We only got a couple minutes. Go ahead. Sure. Mike Lynn with the Washington Times. I was wondering, has this effort uh, to help these evacuees, what kind of impact has it made on the normal day-to-day -day operations there at, uh, there at your command? Because obviously, you know, Russia's not taking a break and letting you all uh, handle just the, just the refugees now. Any, any kind of impact at all on the normal day-to-day -day operations? Uh, Mike, there has been. There, there's been a small impact on the force protection footprint with respect to the security forces that are available to, to, to guard perimeters. All, all of those situations have, have been rectified. Safety and security of the evacuees and all the workers that are involved in this operation is, is of prime importance, as well as all of the operations, activities, and investments that we must continue to do with respect to all the other categories. And we're keeping very, very cl close watch in all those regions. And so far, we, we've had no degradation with respect to the other missions that we're responsible for from a US-UCOM perspective. Okay. okay. Last question, Caitlin. Yeah. Um, hi, Caitlin Dornboss with Stars and Stripes. Just asking clarification on, this, on the timeline. Um, you said, depending on the country, how long can you just say, um, does it take someone who lands at, say, Ramstein to get to Dulles? Caitlin, that, that's still a, a process that, that's in work. It, it, it needs to be faster than what it currently is. Uh, the, the expectation is for the, for the numbers of evacuees that we have remaining at Ramstein, we, we plan starting now and for the next 24 to 48 hours, being able to get 15 to 1,800 evacuees out of Ramstein onward to Conus and Dulles.
and and th that would tell you how long of a wait you would have worst case if, if you're one of the last evacuees to show up at Ramstein. So the, the, the process is ongoing and with the numbers that we currently have at Ramstein, uh, the, the wait from this point forward should be in the three to four day time frame. Thank you. Okay, General, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it. I'll toss it over to you for any closing thoughts you might have before we let you go. No, John, I, I'd just like to give a, a couple of quick reflections on, on what we see uh, with the evacuees that come off the plane. Uh, as you probably know, about a third are kids, a third are male, a, a third are female. Uh, I, I will tell you that that they are very, very appreciative and excited to be here. And, and what, what they're getting as far as treatment is concerned at Ramstein and Siganella, uh, they are very, very much in favor of, and, and we're proud of the opportunity to be able to, to, to be part of this operation. That's all we've got from, from Ramstein. Thank you, John. Thank you, General. Appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Okay, is there anything for me or we're good. All right. We'll see you tomorrow morning. I'm sorry. Did you? Have... You do. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Go ahead. So Secretary Blinken, during his press conference, alluded to the idea of evacuating more Afghans and Americans after boots are off of the ground in Afghanistan. Is the State Department coordinating with the military for security or for flights for these uh, these evacuations, even if it doesn't mean securing HKIA ourselves? Yeah, the 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 I think what this Secretary Blinken was talking about was the the kind of support and assistance that we give to Americans around the world who who want uh, to leave where they are and get help coming home. That's something we do all the time, um, and I I think that's what he's referring to that we're that that post the post mission if um, Americans are are still there and and need help. Uh, uh, getting back that uh, that the United States government is going to do what we do every day all around the world and we'll, we'll see what we can do to help them. Uh, I wouldn't anticipate that there would be a military role in that sort of assistance. But how would that work, John? That's would, you, would you have, you know, in Iran, you use the Iranian, I mean, the uh, Swiss government. Are you going to use the Qatari government? Where do these people go who are left behind? Where, how are they going to get out? If you aren't there, the embassy won't be there and the military won't be there. That, that's a process I think that would have to work out over time, uh, Jen, and that would really be more of the purview of the State Department than it would the Department of Defense. Mike. Yeah, John, this report of a couple of dozen students from the San Diego area who are, and their parents who are still uh, trapped in Afghanistan. I wonder if you have any information about what their status is now. I don't, Mike. Send me an email with the details uh, as much as you can. And uh, what I can promise you is we'll, we'll try to flow that into the right hands, but I, I don't have anything on that report. Tom. Hey, John, just curious if you saw the video taken outside of uh, the airport uh, shot today of the Taliban executing, killing somebody who had an SIV credential. I have not. I have not seen that uh, video. Why don't you let me go figure out what, I, and I don't know, Tom, whether we'd be able to validate it. I wasn't asking, I was just asking if you saw yeah, it. I have not. Yeah. I have not. No, sir. Caitlin. Hey, um, yesterday, I think you mentioned that the crowds were lessening outside the airport, and that, that's what was helping um, the operations reach such high levels. Um, but is that because the Taliban is denying people entry past those checkpoints? Some of the, some, some of the reason is that the, the Taliban have... Uh, have uh, uh, bolstered their own security at their checkpoints uh, and have gotten involved in crowd control, uh, yes. And 
Caitlin, you know, I want to be clear every day is a different day. And yesterday we estimated that the crowds were about half the size they had been the previous days. Um, we still haven't seen them rise to the level they were in the early days of this. Uh, but yes, part of the reason is is certainly that the, you know, the Taliban has um, strengthened their measures of access and control around the field. So you're saying it's higher than that half that it was yesterday? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the estimate is today. I don't, what I'm, I don't believe we've seen numbers that are greatly different than they were yesterday. And I, I just have one more. Um, with Turkish forces leaving, how much of an impact is that making on the security situation and the, the weight of what the U.S. troops have yeah, to do? As of the time we're speaking now, the Turks are still there. So, I mean, I've seen these uh, reports of what they've said they're going to do. Of course, it's a sovereign nation and they, they can make decisions for their own uh, troops as we do for ours. Uh, they're still there. They're, uh, as we speak, still contributing to the security mission. Uh, we're, we're grateful for the assistance that they have rendered. Uh, remain confident that with the U.S. presence that's on the ground uh, at the airport, that we can continue to safeguard that airport for the length of time that we needed. But it is a challenging, tense, dynamic uh, environment. Um, the, the, the threats uh, threats are still real. So, I'll, uh, you know, I'm not going to say that it's a cakewalk to do this, but we're, we're comfortable in the in the force presence that we have to get the job done. Tony. Since it's the first briefing this morning, have there been any more U.S. rotor or helicopter evacuations outside the American? None that I'm aware of. Would you be, uh, would you be updating us periodically? When I become aware of them, yes, we are updating you. But I've, I've, I've received no reports of additional rotary wing operations. Are those 82nd Airborne or are those special operations troops who are doing those? I don't know uh, who flew the actual mission. There are a range of helicopters uh, there that we have at our disposal. I, I don't have any more detail on exactly who manned that helicopter. Are U.S. military helicopters being used to fly to pick up anyone outside of Kabul, no matter whose authority they're under? Are U.S. military helicopters being used to fly outside thus, of Kabul? Thus, thus far, they have not. Only uh, inside of Kabul that, so far? My, to my knowledge, inside Kabul. Could, could it be done outside Kabul if needed? We have the capability. Courtney took my question, but um, okay. <laughs> is the U.S. military um, otherwise helping Americans stuck outside of Kabul get to Kabul? Uh, we have a variety of means at our disposal to help uh, provide safe passage in, into the airport, and I think I'm just going to leave it at that. Gordon, did you have one? <clears throat> yeah. Um, could you uh, tell us if you think that you'll need any more craft, aircraft, for the logistics, and then, um, you know, the... Um, Army uh, announced some of the deployments to domestic bases to help with security and whatnot for the American bases that were that are taking evacuees. Can you give us a, an idea of what the scope and scale of that kind of internal deployment could be over the next couple weeks? I don't have the the data here, Gordon, for for that. I mean, we have four U.S. installations that we're using right now, um, and as I mentioned yesterday. Uh, we'll keep looking at that, and if we need additional installations, uh, you know, we'll make the right plans to do that. And by and large, uh, most of these installations, they're using organic capabilities. Uh, I'll let uh, General Van Herc and NORTHCOM take your question uh, about a flow of any additional force protection personnel. I, I don't have that, uh, that information readily available, and I will be getting General Van Herc into the briefing room. Uh, later this week. So. Uh, and then what about the craft aircraft? I, I know of no plans to expand uh, the civilian reserve air fleet beyond the level one, which uh, the secretary authorized. 
One quick follow on what you just said. You said, could it be done on getting uh, air evacuations outside of Kabul um, and extractions? You said, yes. Why haven't they been done yet? Because we know of American citizens in places outside of Kabul. It's a, it's a capability question, and, and I'm, I'm not suggesting that it would be well outside of Kabul. Uh, I'm not suggesting that it would be throughout the whole countryside, Carla. Yes, hi, John. Um, I've spoken to a few families who are on the bases um, where the evacuees are going, and they want to know what they can do to assist. So I'm not sure what advice is being given or what others can do to help those who are coming to stay on these different bases. Uh, has there been any briefing or anything for those military families, what they can possibly do to help out as well? Uh, Trace, I, I mean, we're not surprised that people want to be generous and help, and that's uh, terrific. I think we saw reports that the commanding general at Fort Bliss was, uh, they were being inundated with requests from the local community about uh, trying to help. Um, there are various humanitarian aid organizations and NGOs that uh, uh, that are helping these Afghans relocate, and I would recommend, you know, reaching out to some of those aid organizations and, and seeing what's most needed uh, for these uh, men and women and their children. What we're going to do when we get them onto these bases is make sure that they have safe, secure housing, uh, uh, plenty of sustenance, food and water, medical care that they need, um, and the ability uh, to work through the rest of their visa process. Uh, so our focus is really on making sure that they're safe and secure and they have that uh, the bill. And we're going to do that to the maximum capability that we that we can. And um, and we certainly encourage uh, Americans to welcome them as well when they relocate from our military bases into the uh, into American society. When we are um, that that's one of the great things about our country is uh, is the way we have welcomed immigrants over the years. And and these are these are going to be new immigrants and uh, new Americans. Uh, maybe even a new fighter pilot. Um, and so we're, we're grateful for that generosity. And I would point them to these non-governmental organizations and you know, humanitarian relief organizations. Hey, John, can I follow up on Christina and Carla's theme, please? Uh, there's a report out by relatives of an American in Mazar Sharif who has said the Taliban has given her, the woman in Mazar Sharif, permission to leave that city to go to Kabul to leave. Would that fall, would helping that American citizen who has gotten permission on their own from the Taliban to get from Mazar Sharif to Kabul, would that be something that would be in this suite of capabilities that the Pentagon has? No. And I, I'm glad I got the chance to follow up. When I said outside Kabul, I'm talking about the, you know, relatively close by. I don't want to set the expectation that, uh, that we're going to be able to fly all over the country to pick up people. You heard the secretary himself say that we, 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 there's, a, there's a limit to the capability we have here. Uh, but when we can help, and if we need rotary wing aircraft to help, we'll do it. And we will talk about it to you. I'm not going to give you uh, every detail of every mission that is flown, but we've done three uh, and they have been successful, but they have been of a, a short duration and a short distance. Uh, so I want to make sure that I level set that because I, I'm, and I was glad for the chance to, 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 uh, to clarify that. Caitlin. Why is that distance um, so small? Is it because the Taliban isn't allowing those over overflights? It's the, the Caitlin, it's really more about the focus of the mission, which is protecting the airport. And that's what the assets are, are largely there for. Uh, we're, we're brought in to protect and safeguard that, uh, that airport. And then also, can you just get updated numbers about how many evacuees are in America now? 
how many evacuees are in the actually at like U.S. bases in America. Uh, I'll get back to you on that. Thank I don't you. have that data, uh, and it changes literally every day. There are flights flying into Dulles. Um, uh, I'll, I'll see if we can get it for you, but it's it's um, okay. Uh, anyway, I'll take the question. All right, uh, thanks, and we'll see you tomorrow. I'm planning on uh, two briefings again tomorrow. We'll start at ten thirty, and we'll do another one in the afternoon, and uh, we'll see you then. Mm -hmm.